We are going to be starting a new series today. That's what I want to tell you about. It's called Say Something. But the first thing we're going to do, by the way, my name's Jeff, for those of you who I don't know. Yeah, it is. And we are going to uh, kind of dive into one phrase or one aspect of our mission statement here. So we're going to put the mission statement up on the screen. And you've heard us talk about it. Uh, We talk about it almost every week. But I want you to say it with me. Mission point, mission statement is showing and sharing the love of Jesus where we live, learn, work, and play. That's what we're about. Everywhere we go, we want to show and share the love of Jesus Christ. So this new sermon series, it'll be just three weeks, is um, focusing on sharing the love of Jesus. Sharing the love of Jesus articulating, speaking with words, the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? So in a summary statement for this series, say something, here's the summary. Showing the love of Jesus, here we go, creates the context for sharing the message of Jesus with those who need to know him. Now, many of us might say it's a little easier to show the love of Jesus than to actually share the gospel message. Is that fair? And one of the things that we'd love to do during this series is to kind of uh, give you some some more confidence, give you some more uh, ammunition, I will say, in the best sense of the word, of how to talk about Jesus with people. We just think that's so critical. So let me just, three things we really hope to kind of accomplish uh, during this series. Number one, we want to grow in confidence and decrease in our fear of talking with people about Jesus. Grow in our confidence, decrease in our fear. Now, one of the things over the years is I talk to people, and it's almost like when you begin talking about sharing your faith, sharing the gospel with people, it's like this, this cloud of, of guilt <laughs> overshadows everybody. It's because like, oh man, I've never really done that. Or I've done that once or twice like 20 years ago. And, and so guilt-free, not a guilt, not a guilt series whatsoever, but a challenging slash hopefully very helpful ways to think about how we can talk to people about Jesus. And a lot of people will just talk about fear, just afraid. Why? Because I might talk to somebody at work who I offend because they don't want to hear about it. And often, this certainly has happened to me a lot over the years, I'll start talking to somebody about Jesus and they they immediately begin talking about some terrible church they were part of or some horrible pastor that did some immoral thing. And it's kind of like you get a bit barraged by some people who it's not just they don't want to hear it, they can be angry about it. And so I think we know that maybe some of those people might be people, this pit is scary. There might be people that um, we just don't want to even open our mouths because, you know, I'm trying to have a good relationship. And if I say Jesus, but, you know, isn't it interesting you read the book of Acts? Did the apostles in the early church just look for people who wanted to hear the name Jesus? (laughs) I don't think so persecution can be part of evangelism. Maybe that's why we're afraid. Let's not be so afraid. Because at the very core, 
of the gospel is the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, right? And people need to hear that. It's the most important thing we could possibly share. Let's not be so afraid. Let's be a little more confident. I've even heard people say things like this. Well, you know, if I start sharing the gospel, I might mess it up. You know, because it's really hard to remember all the steps of the gospel. And they're going to start asking me Bible questions. And I can't answer Bible questions because I don't know my Bible very well. I probably should. And this is kind of the stuff people become paralyzed by. Instead of just telling people, Jesus loves you. You know, as people begin to open up with you about the struggle in their life a lot, everybody I know has some struggle, you know? And some people have serious hardship and pain in their lives. And we can, when we can talk about our Savior who is so full of love and who forgives sin and who wants to walk with you through every moment of every day, I find a lot of people will listen They'll listen. Grow in our confidence, decrease our fear. That's number one. How about developing a concern and even a burden for the spiritual condition of people who don't yet know Jesus? This one is very challenging to me. Do we put on the spiritual lenses that Jesus had that he saw people who were lost as being lost spiritually for eternity? Or do we just see people as... You know, I like those people, and these people are really annoying. You know, I mean, how do we see people, especially people that don't know Jesus? Can I tell you something? A lot of non believers act like non believers. Did you know that? I know that's super profound. It really is. But it's really true. A lot of non believers don't act like Christians. So they can be hard to be around, and their mouths can say a lot of words we don't like to hear, and all kinds of things can challenge us or make us very uncomfortable, but do we have the eyes, the lenses of Jesus to see their spiritual condition? They're lost. They're lost. God, break my heart. God, break our hearts for people who are lost and need our Savior and motivate me and compel me to want to love them and talk to them about him. That's how we need to be praying, right? That's how we need to be praying. There's a third area we want to talk about. Do we intentionally go to places and engage people who may be searching for healing, forgiveness, purpose, and hope that is only found in Jesus Christ? Or do we just hang with our Christian friends? Do we intentionally make sure we are in places and spaces with people who don't know Jesus? That's my point. That's what we want to talk about. That's what we kind of want to stir up in each one of our hearts over these next three weeks. Well, I get to, I get to start with a passage I just love. I'm so grateful I get to share this passage with you this morning, and I hope it is a blessing. I hope it's incredibly helpful. It's found in the book of Colossians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, let's turn there together. Colossians chapter 4. And these are the words of the Apostle Paul. And here's what, again, we're going to be focusing on. We're going to be focusing on that phrase in our mission statement, mission points, mission statement, sharing the love of Jesus. Paul gives us 
what I'm just calling three principles. These are amazing. These are incredibly helpful of how to more effectively share the love of Jesus with people. Okay, Colossians chapter four, I'm gonna begin in verse two. The verses will also be up on the screen. Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, that's the gospel, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I love this word devote. (laughs) Devote yourselves, devote yourselves. The root idea of this word devote is to give intense effort to. Devote yourselves. Now, I periodically hear people use a phrase kind of like this. You know, I have completely devoted myself to my craft. I've heard that from musicians. I've heard that from athletes, that, that sentiment, that concept. Maybe people who are in the medical world, maybe people who are in the engineering world, whatever it is, it's like, I have devoted myself to be outstanding. Some athletes especially will say, to be the best at that. And what does this say? Devote yourself to prayer. Oh man, really? Prayer? How we doing? How's that going? Not do you pray before you eat lunch. That's good. All good. Not do you take a minute or two during your quiet time to shoot a few things up to God. That's fine. The command is devote yourself. Wow. Devote yourself to prayer. Now, what's so interesting about this, and I think it certainly is generally extremely important to devote yourself to prayer, but he gives us two attitudes that accompany devotion to prayer. These are so good and so helpful. Did you see he uses the word watchful? Be watchful, he says. The word watchful simply means have a high expectation, Have anticipation in your prayer life. Be locked in and expectant of what? That God's going to respond. That God's going to respond. I think that's very much his point. Are we anticipating when we pray, when we talk to God, that he's going to do something? That's the point. You know, I'm... I love to hear prayer requests. You know what's even better? To hear prayer answers, (laughs) right? Who's got any prayer requests? 15 people raise their hands. Who's got any prayer answers, specific answers from God to prayers you've prayed? Uh, Hmm. Yeah, probably about 15 years ago, I I remember something. You know, I mean, we can be that way, right? Is your prayer life expectant? That's what he means by watchful. Is that challenging or what? That is challenging. And what that says to me when my prayer is not watchful and expectant, my friends, is that I'm just kind of playing the game. 
I'm just kind of throwing things out there. Are we expectant? Are we watchful? Are we anticipating that he's going to respond? Because he really does hear. He does. Here's the second word, thankful. Be thankful. As you are devoting yourselves to prayer, be thankful. What are we thankful for? That the God of the universe is listening? (laughs) That the God of the universe is listening? That he cares? You know, God has never said to you, just a minute, just a minute. (laughs) We got something else going on. Wait a minute. Moms and dads do that all the time, don't we? Grandpas do too, actually. He never says that. That blows my mind. It's not like, don't you know I have like 5 million people praying right now? You know, or 100 million people praying right now? He doesn't say that. That's just so mind-blowing to us. Is your spirit, is your attitude in your prayer thankfulness? And here's what we can be thankful for, my friends. When he says yes, when he says no, and when he says Wait, not yet. It's like, okay, Jeff, yeah, thankful for yes, I get that. I mean, when he gives me what I want, it's awesome. I am so grateful for how many times he has said no to me. Aren't you? Why? Because my prayer doesn't always come from a healthy, godly place. He still hears. He still loves me but there's a reason why he says no. And there's absolutely a reason why he often says, not yet, not now, later. And often in my life, he says that because some things need to change in me first. And then my my heart and my motives and my prayer change as well. Devote yourself to prayer. What an incredible command this is and what a challenge it is. Now, what I want us to see is the context, always important. The context here, when Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, be watchful and thankful, he goes on to say, and here's what I really need prayer for. And we all do. Look with me again at verse three and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. My friends, the whole context here of devote yourself to prayer is so that I might share the gospel. So that I might share the gospel. The Apostle Paul understands so profoundly and deeply that we need the spirit of God to go before us. We need the Holy Spirit to be the one that opens a person's spiritual mind, spiritual eyes to respond to the gospel message. So here's my first principle. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Evangelism is not sales. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. As a young Christian, some of you know, I've shared this with many of you, 
I came to Christ through Campus Crusade for Christ, or CREW, as it's now called. And along with having a quiet time and getting involved in a Bible study and memorizing some scripture, it's share, share the gospel, share the gospel, share your testimony, share the gospel. That was just so ingrained in me as a baby believer. I'm so thankful. And you know, you can learn some things about how to do that. That's fine. You can learn some of the techniques and practices. But at the end of the day, is it your persuasive ability and your incredible uh, words that convince somebody to truly trust Christ the Savior? No, no. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's why the Apostle Paul is so big on pray, pray, pray. Pray for opportunities. Pray that the Lord will put you in situations and contexts where he will even give you the words, right? How many times has that happened? It's like, I didn't know I knew that. Any of you ever say that? I didn't know I knew that. It's because the Holy Spirit is speaking through you because you've prayed. Pray for opportunities. You know, I was thinking about this and I thought, I probably have prayed a lot over my 40, almost eight years as a Christian. Lord, I want to see Joe saved. I want to see Susan come to know you. That's a wonderful prayer. The prayer in this passage is, Lord, I want you to give me an opportunity to share the hope of Jesus with Joe. Lord, I want you to put me in a situation where a conversation opens up so as for me to share the love of Christ with Susan. And some of you are saying, that's a lot scarier. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, right? Because it's not about sales. It's not about closing the deal. It's about the Spirit of God working through you to share this incredible message of eternal life that God has entrusted to us. Pray for opportunities. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel with people. That, that's what we see in these verses. It's amazing. It's so awesome, I think. I want to give you a couple examples of the kinds of things I pray. Again, these are just things I try to pray. Lord, please help me to be an excellent ambassador for you today and represent you well. And then my continued prayer is, and Father, please bring into my path today someone who is hurting and struggling and to whom I can give a warm smile, a kind greeting, and even a word that encourages them. And Lord, if they want to talk, Help me to listen. And Father, you direct that conversation so that I can tell them about Jesus. And you're saying, that's a long prayer, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I just believe to my core, God likes it when I pray this way. God loves it when you pray this way. Specific, asking for opportunity, and asking that your son's name and his glory and his greatness can be shared with somebody who does not yet know him.
I just have to believe our Father says, there you go. That's what I like to hear from you. Pray for opportunities, my friends. Pray for opportunities. It is amazing. If you are a kind person, if you're a loving person, if you're a caring person, maybe you're the only one in your, in your office or maybe you're the only one on your, on your block, your neighborhood, wherever you go that shows the love of Jesus through your life. People talk to you. People will open up to you. People will share with you that they're hurting. And when, when you are kind and you listen and maybe weep with them, it's like God says, talk about Jesus to them. Do we believe he's their only hope? Isn't Jesus our only hope? He is. That's a rhetorical question, but it's really not. He is the hope that we can provide people. Okay, let me keep moving here. Let's jump down to verse five. It says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. I love this. Basically, what Paul is saying is in your conduct, the way you live your life, be wise. Be thoughtful, be conscientious of how you relate to people, how you treat people, how you speak to people with your words. Be wise in the way you conduct yourselves, especially toward, we'll talk in a moment about what the word outsiders is referring to. Be conscious of your life. Not play a part. I'm not saying that. Not act out what a Christian is supposed to do. But remember that God has called us to be encouraging and loving and kind and respectful. And that the words that come from our mouths are to be uplifting and pure and godly. What does Paul mean by outsiders? He's clearly, I think, referring to those who are outside of the family of God. We would say non-Christians or non-believers. Those who are not yet part of the body of Christ. Outsiders are those who have not yet experienced the forgiveness which comes when one confesses their sin to God and by faith receives God's forgiveness of their sin through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the gospel. The outsiders have not yet embraced what Christ did for us on the cross, confessed their sin, received his forgiveness, and become children of God. I would imagine there might be some people who see this verse and say, outsiders, man, that isn't very inclusive. That sounds very exclusive. You know what? It's like Christianity is like a club and some people aren't invited. That's not true. <laughs> Maybe you know this verse, these two verses. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world 
through him, through Jesus. Whosoever. You see, you don't have to be an outsider. You're not excluded. (laughs) The invitation is to you. The invitation is to all. The invitation is to whoever, whosoever would come. People need to hear that message. They really do. Look at, look at verse five with me again. I love this last phrase. It says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. And again, I want to remind us what the context is here. The context is sharing Christ with people who don't know Jesus yet. That's the context. Here's my second principle. Along with pray for opportunities, our second principle is be present and intentional. Be present and intentional. We need to go where non-Christians are. You know, there's some very natural places and events to do this. There are. I think of our church. We have a church filled with uh, couples with children who are in school, who are in sports, who are in music programs, who are just engaged in theater and so many of those kinds of opportunities. And here's what happens when you're an adult. You tend to go to those events so that you can watch your kids and be with your kids and support your kids, right? That's a good parental thing to do. Don't just sit with your Christian friends. Don't just sit with your church friends when you go to these events. Meet people you don't know. Because some of those people, I guarantee you, don't know Jesus. And here's the beauty to me. This is something Kathy and I have tried to do for decades, is go somewhere repeatedly so that you don't just see a person once, You might see them for a whole basketball season. (laughs) You might see them for a whole track season. You might develop a friendship with them. And they may sense that you're this really wonderful, caring person and share with you about how their teenage son is into drugs. They may share with you how their grandmother just died. They may share with you Things in their lives that are struggling. And if you, my friends, if I can be a light for Jesus in those places, God gives opportunity. Absolutely, he does. And so I want you to think about, this is something I think is so critical. I want you to think about the places you go. Let's just start with where your kids go or where your kids are. You know, gymnastics and sitting through gymnastic practice or meets that take three hours or however long gymnastic meets take. Strike up conversations. Tell this couple that their daughter is awesome on a balance beam. Strike up conversations. It can be so natural, my friends, but you know what? You need to go where they are. We need to go where non-Christians are. Be present. Be intentional. By intentional, I don't mean manipulative ever. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm just saying, God, 
You've made me a, a missionary. I live on mission for you. You want me to be a light for Jesus? You want me to reflect his love? So as I go to this restaurant, it's one of Kathy and my big things. We have probably two restaurants we go to a lot. And we know almost all the servers. We know the owners. And some of them have shared their heartache with us. Some have come down and come over and sat down at our table for a while, chatted. That's my wife, actually. She's the big heart. But it's just so beautiful as people say, you're not only safe, you are so caring. And here's something we have done multiple times. So this one you'll say, gulp, really? <laughs> Can we pray for you? Can we be praying for you? You mentioned your, you mentioned your son who's really struggling. What's his name? His name's Johnny? Sure. And here's the bold. Can we pray for him right now with you? And it's kind of like, you'll get this. Like, whoa, I guess. Don't make it like a half hour prayer. You know, we're talking like 30 seconds or a minute, but pray. Do you think that's powerful? Do you think God uses that? I'll tell you what, he does. He does, he does. Be present, be intentional. Be present, be intentional. It's life-changing, my friends, when you begin to think that way about places you go and especially places you frequent. For me, it's the Y, the YMCA in the mornings. I go there. I've developed all kinds of friends. And I think it's good that if you can joke around a little bit and especially if you can talk sports, okay? That's kind of the, the thing I do, <laughs> talk sports. I get a lot of abuse because I wear my Ohio State stuff a lot, I guess. You know, I get a lot of abuse for that, but that's okay. It's a good conversation starter. Um, be present, be intentional. Be wise in how you live before those who don't yet know Christ. We used to call that, we still do, your personal testimony, your lifestyle before others who don't know Jesus. That's principle number two that we see. Here's a phrase that I want us to just remember these three weeks. Our conduct is the context for presenting the gospel. Our conduct is the context for sharing the gospel. Because when people say there's something different about you, and I don't mean weird bad, I mean there's something, you know, you're like really nice to your wife. What's that about? <laughs> well, it's kind of the way it's supposed to be, you know? How come your kids are just so respectful? They seem to do what you say. We give glory to Jesus for that. My 14-year-old daughter loves Jesus. You know, that, that's kind of the starting point of why she's this awesome young woman that she is. That's how we need to talk, my friends. When somebody says something kind, say thank you. Give Jesus glory. Give him the glory. It can be powerful. Okay, principle one, pray for opportunities. Principle two, be present and intentional. Let's look together at verse 
6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I love this. Let your conversation be full of grace. That means let your conversation be encouraging, full of truth, uh, affirming, kind, all of those kinds of things. And the question is, is that the way you talk? Is that the way I talk? Hopefully it is. Don't you love this phrase, seasoned with salt? I've been told that salt is, and the seasoning that salt is, enhances flavor. It enhances flavor. It makes something that may be pretty good, but a little bland, better. Now, have you ever had something that had way too much salt in it? Nasty. It's nasty. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. Encouraging, helpful, kind. I I was thinking about what would my speech that is just incredibly too salty be like as a Christian? Judgmental, harsh, disrespectful, condemning. That seems like over salty speech to me but encouraging, affirming, respectful, listening well, kind. That's just like that much salt. That's good. That's a good amount. Just the right amount of salt. That's what he says. That last phrase, so interesting, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's almost like the way you share Jesus conversationally with people. I don't think, I was kind of taught this, but I don't think it's you pull out the track and you go through it. There are times to to do that. There are times to do that. That's okay. But I think it's best when it's just so natural. And when you listen well to the individual so that you can share with them in a way that touches their life and their need. Think of how Jesus shared the gospel with the rich young ruler compared to him sharing the gospel with the woman at the well. Think of how Jesus shared parables. He was, he was seemingly always incredibly sensitive to who his audience was. He didn't change the gospel, but he listened and he respected people. And therefore he knew how to approach people and maybe what their greatest need was. It's beautiful. And he is our role model of how to do this so that you may know how to answer everyone. The word gospel simply means good news. Many of you know that. The good news of Jesus Christ. It's the message of eternal life. It's the message of eternal hope. It's the message of love and forgiveness. And if you're a believer, God has entrusted that message to you to share it with others. He has. It's not delegated to a handful of us. 
It's our calling, each and every one of us. There's a verse I think of out of Proverbs a lot. It's just the first part of Proverbs 18, verse 21. Here's the words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Whoa. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Do I speak death words or do I speak life words? The ultimate life words are the fact that Jesus Christ, God the Son, died on the cross for your sin. And as you confess that sin to him and ask for his forgiveness, he will forgive you. And he will make you part of his family. And he will give you eternal life with him. The ultimate life words is the gospel. My friends, if you're a believer, God has entrusted that to you. He's entrusted that to me. Two days ago, 5 a.m., Friday morning, my wife's phone rang, and it was the hospice care nurse at the retirement community where her 92-year-old mother lived that my mother-in-law had passed away. And we've been grieving because she has been declining for the last months and she's had terrible dementia. And yet, can I tell you, our grief is with hope. Our grief is because she's a woman who loved Jesus. Our grief with hope is rooted in the fact that years ago she confessed her sin and asked Jesus Christ to be her savior and her Lord. And we have no doubt she is in the presence of Jesus right now. We have no doubt that all of the frailty of her human body is gone. That's the message we have. It's the message of hope. It's the message that you love to hear when you're at a funeral. That we will see that loved one again. That we will see that person again because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And he has forgiven them. My friends, that's the message that's been entrusted to us as believers. Will we pray for opportunities? Will we commit to being more present and intentional to be around non-believers? And we will make sure that our words are seasoned with the grace of God. And if we do, God will use you. He will use you as his messenger, as his ambassador. He will. I want you to bow your heads with me, please. 
I think the most important thing, as our heads are bowed, I think the most important thing I can do this morning is to make sure that you, my dear friend who's here, who may not yet know Jesus personally, that you fully understand that God the Son became God the man, Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And because a holy God wanted to redeem a sinful world of people, each and every one of us have been sinful to a holy God. He required a sacrifice for sin. And that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. And he did it in our place for us. And then three days later, he proved, he validated that he is the king and Lord of all when he rose from the grave. And God's word is so clear that if we simply acknowledge our sin, Lord Jesus, I have sinned. I ask for your forgiveness. He will forgive us. He'll cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. And in addition, he'll give us eternal life, life with him forever. My friend, if you've never prayed that, please do. Just in the quietness of your own mind, you don't have to say it out loud. But in your mind and your heart, embrace what Jesus did for you and experience his forgiveness. For those of us maybe months or maybe even decades ago made that incredibly important decision. We're called to be as messengers. We're called to be as ambassadors. We have been called by God himself to share this incredible message of eternal life with others. Would you pray that the Lord will stir you, stir you deeply to be more engaged and more involved and more intentional about that responsibility and that incredible privilege of being his messenger. Just talk to him about that for a moment. We love you, Lord Jesus. We are humbled that you have entrusted your message of eternal life to us. Help us to be better. Help us to grow and become more courageous even. Help us to devote ourselves to prayer and have the eyes that you have toward people who are still lost. That we would share this beautiful message of eternal life with those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.